it was a very emotional time, which I think people think that, you know, eventually it gets easier, but it didn't get easier for a long time. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Not Your Type podcast. Had this episode tucked away in my back pocket, and I'm so excited to finally share all the incredible things that the former Miss Hartsville and now Miss South Carolina 2022 will share with us. This episode was recorded back in June, right before Miss Iowa and right before her state competition down in South Carolina, where she advocates for all types of diabetes with her initiative that she will talk more about in this episode with a supportive role as a close family member of hers lives with type 1 diabetes. She has done some incredible work in her community and now across the state and hopefully as the next Miss America. And I'm so excited that she's bringing this to the national stage so we can get some diabetes representation once again. But I'm so excited for this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Jill Dudley is a graduate of Coastal Carolina University where she obtained her bachelor's in English and studied political science. She then went on to earn her paralegal certification at the University of South Carolina in March of 2022 and is looking to step into the law field very soon. After three tries competing for Miss South Carolina, she won the 85th anniversary of the competition and will be heading to the Miss America competition this December. Her social impact initiative she is promoting throughout her year is called Luke's Legacy, Advocating for Diabetes Awareness. She was inspired by her younger brother, Luke, and his struggles and resilience. Her goal this year is to help others battling this disease, as well as educate others about all types of diabetes, so that together we can and will find a cure. Please welcome Jill Dudley, Miss South Carolina 2022. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad we could... (laughs) figure this out. We are joined by Jill and she's going to just give us a little bit of background on who she is and her connection to diabetes. Hi everyone, my name is Jill Dudley. I am currently Miss Hartsville and I am a candidate vying for the job of Miss South Carolina. This year is the 85th anniversary of the competition so it's extremely special to me and I cannot wait to go and be a representative for the city of Hartsville. I found my journey with being an advocate for diabetes through my younger brother, Luke, who was diagnosed in the April of 2016. He was 14 years old and living a very healthy life. He was a wrestler, a boy scout, um, just super involved in so many different after school activities and, you know, presented himself as a very healthy kid. Um, But unfortunately, Luke's health started to decline. And after several misdiagnoses, um, you know, there was the speculation that he had athlete's foot, that he had a bladder infection, that maybe it was just puberty. Um, but at the end of the day, we found out he was a type one diabetic, which completely shocked and changed our entire lives. Um, when we, when we first found out that he was diabetic, you know, we were, we were so scared and, um, he actually spent the majority of his time. He was a freshman in high school when he was diagnosed, but he never stepped into the doors of his high school ever again. 
unfortunately, because of his health and um, just the process of him getting regulated, getting his, you know, his A1C to a right level, trying to get him approved for a pump was extremely difficult. And just watching my family struggle, you know, from the financial aspect also to watching, you know, my younger brother's mental and physical health also decline was something that really made me think, what can I do to help him, but also what can I do to help other people that are type one diabetic? And so that's why I founded my social impact initiative, my platform, my purpose, um, Luke's legacy is um, an advocacy campaign for those that are battling diabetes. And, and really my goal is to educate people really about type one, type two, and some of those other types that aren't, you know, often discussed and also push for more affordable insulin. Those are my two main goals is really to be an educator and also an advocator. So that's really what I'm doing. It definitely is a personal connection and, and I know it is with you. So that's, that's really it. That's so amazing. I, I love hearing not just personal stories, but supporters stories, because it doesn't ever impact just one person. It always affects the people around them, whether it's their family, their friends, their loved ones. It has such a wide reach. It's never just the one person who's diagnosed. So what was that impact on your family? I mean, especially for you as a sister, as a supporting role, what was that kind of like when he was first diagnosed? Well, I, I honestly, I can remember the first day that we brought him home. You know, it was like our whole house was just, you know, covered and just all of these medical devices and just kind of like pamphlets and papers and needles and insulin and, you know, all of these kind of foreign objects we had never seen before. And, you know, the whole time I felt like all of us were on edge because, you know, he was teetering a line of, of going into a coma or death or, or whatever was on the other side, you know, we were, we were kind of in the dark about his whole process. Um, he was hospitalized for about five to six days at the MUSC health in Charleston. Um, and he was in the, the, um, the children's unit, but you know, they basically had told us if we wouldn't have brought him in sooner, he would have been gone. So for us, it was like extremely scary having him come home. I mean, we were happy he was home, but we just didn't know what the next move was. So we were constantly on him about checking your sugar. We need to measure your carbs. You know, we had scales all over the place, which is just crazy. I mean, I know you probably, when you were diagnosed, it was, it was kind of chaotic. And I think also it was just, it was a very emotional time, which I think people think that you know, eventually it gets easier, but it didn't get easier for a long time. I think we really struggled just, you know, how to deal with him, how to talk to him, how to, you know, make him feel normal again. Um, for the longest time, you know, we, we wanted Luke to have a regular high school experience, but unfortunately his health never got to the point where he could go back to school. So he was homebound for a long time. And I think that it definitely you know, hindered his ability to experience different kind of like social events and, and to be able to hang out with friends. And I think that affected me in a sense, because I wanted to see my little brother grow. I wanted to see him thrive. I want him to go to prom and go to football games. And unfortunately he missed out on those things. And so, you know, it definitely was more, I think of an emotional, you know, burden on us like less than, you know, of course, financially, it can be very hard for families that have a type one diabetic, you know, to 
you know, have to start paying for insulin and all this care, but it was more so just kind of the emotional and just not knowing, you know, what to do and not knowing what's going on with his body was really, really scary. And especially since there were, as you said, misdiagnoses, which has to be frustrating because it could have been dealt with so much sooner and in a much better way if they had just found it, which is why it's so important for the advocacy and awareness work, because then when people know the warning signs, including our medical professionals, we can get it taken care of even faster. I was really lucky. My dad was diagnosed when he was 13. So I grew up around the culture of diabetes, even though I didn't personally understand it, but I had that knowledge of these are the warning signs. It can't really be anything else. It's probably this. And that's why I'm such a big advocate because people need to know that. And that's why I appreciate that you're doing it because now you know, and you've quite literally learned how devastating and catastrophic it can be. Can you dive into a little bit more about what you've done in the role as Miss Hartsville or just in Miss America in general while promoting diabetes? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the, the most important thing is honestly just having conversations with people. And so, you know, my kind of goal is to talk to at least three people every day or every chance that I can about diabetes. Um, because when you, when you speak to somebody, they most likely know someone who has it, whether that's type one or type two. Um, and so my main focus is honestly just telling them my story, hearing what they have to say, and then pointing them in the right direction. And so one of those things that I do is I've actually made business cards with QR codes on. And so people can scan them and it takes them directly to the American Diabetes Association website where they can take a 60 second quiz. It's a risk assessment quiz. And so they answer about 10 questions and that tells you, you know, at what risk you're at for type two diabetes. And so that's kind of an outlet that I can use for that. As far as type one, it's more of just the education aspect. Um, one of the things that I'm working on right now is just kind of like PowerPoints and visual aids. Um, just trying to find, you know, really good visual aids that I can continue to post um, on my Instagram stories or Facebook. And I think one of the best things that I can do personally is to kind of create videos, which I've been doing recently is I've been doing like 60 second videos, kind of explaining a concept. And then down below, I will just add a bunch of links to some different resources. Um, so my main thing is just really to get the message out there and then also to link resources below. I think it's really important um, to obviously tell, you know, people my own advice in a sense, but I also want to direct them directly to great resources such as JDRF or the American Diabetes Association or Type 1 International. So they can really get to those resources and figure out what the next step is and if they need assistance. Those websites usually have some really, really great, you know, links towards whether somebody can't afford insulin, you know, they can try to find and, and get that care that they might need. So Really, my main goal right now is just to continue to create educational materials, whether that is posting a video or creating more QR codes or more business cards or possibly creating pamphlets, hopefully in the future, because I think the best thing you can do is go out in your community, have a conversation and be able to hopefully physically give them something that they can take home or they can give to a loved one. So that loved one can say, okay. I can take this quiz. This only takes 60 seconds. Great. Or, hey, this is a link that I could follow and this could possibly help me. And so that's that's my main thing is really just communicating, passing out materials and educating people. I love the business card idea. I might have to steal that. That's really smart. And it's great that you're yeah. also 
Um, my focus with my initiative as a Miss America title holder is type 1, but I think it's also really valuable to compare it with the other types of diabetes, especially since type 2 is roughly 90 to 95% of those cases that we're seeing. Do you kind of know uh, what the culture around diabetes is in your state and the way people view it, whether it is type 1 or type 2? Yeah, so in South Carolina, we are actually... Um, we're ranked pretty high for diabetes. And unfortunately, so diabetes is the eighth leading cause of death in the United States. And in South Carolina, it's also the eighth leading cause of death um, in our state, which is which is huge. And, you know, it, it definitely affects a lot of different demographics of people. Um, and I think so a lot of my research has been, you know, you know, who is it affecting in our state? And it's definitely affecting those lower income families, you know, people that have less access to health care and education um, and really just watching it in our state. And also just I think, too, is like the culture around it is maybe pro probably one of the reasons why Luke was misdiagnosed so many times is because, you know, people think that, OK, diabetes is you you get diabetes, you know, type one when you're really, really young. And then the people that think about type two, they're like, okay, this is based on diet and exercise. You know, it's those older people that don't care about their bodies anymore. They just let them go. They're not taking care of themselves. And so I think that could have maybe played into, you know, how many times Luke was misdiagnosed because he was such a healthy kid. And I think, um, you know, there's definitely not enough information um, as far as education wise in our state to be able to present that. And I think also too, it's, I know I'm a JDRF advocate for um, the chapter of South Carolina in Georgia. And because of the pandemic, their chapter has been, you know, not as involved recently. And I think that that's one of the things that I want to kind of amp up and to be able to take that further is I think that, you know, South Carolina, we're just lacking a little bit in that. And we shouldn't be because it is the eighth leading cause of death. There's so many people within our state that, you know, are battling both type one and type two. And we just haven't had someone, you know, bold enough to take it to the state level. And um, I know that the, the Affordable Insulin Now Act has been something that's floating around Congress and, and hopefully will make its way further in South Carolina, I think it was actually, um, I think it was supported by the House, and I think it has to move to the Senate still. So that's something that, you know, in South Carolina, I'm hoping to, to push for if I get this, this opportunity to be Miss South Carolina, because I don't think it's recognized as much in our state. And I hope that maybe possibly with the title, or even if I don't have the title, continuing to advocate for it, we'll have a better connection with the people in our state. Because I mean, and I, I don't know how it is in Iowa, but I know here it's very prevalent, you know, in literally any race, any gender, any age, it's prevalent and it's continuing to grow. You brought up so many great points, though. I mean, the first point of it being so commonly misconstrued between type one and type two, having those misconceptions, which is a large part of why I'm not only doing this podcast, but as an educator, I love to go into schools to break down those misconceptions because when I was diagnosed, I was 11 years old and I was only about 90 pounds when I was diagnosed, ate really healthy, lost a lot of weight as a side effect of being diabetic, left untreated. And I was unfortunately bullied for my diabetes because people thought it was either contagious or I did something to get it and they didn't want any part 
of it. They didn't want to be involved with me. And that's really damaging to people like me, like your brother, who were leading really healthy lives and did nothing except be diagnosed because our bodies decided to shut down for whatever reason. So that's a large part that I'm glad you're also addressing. And also with affordable insulin, that's a life-changing thing. I mean, it's such a financial burden. If I didn't have my parents' insurance, I'd easily be paying over $1,000 out of pocket a month. And with two diabetics in my family, that's a lot of money. So yes. it's crazy. And that last point, there's just so many great things you brought up. So I have so much to talk about with you. But in <laughs> Iowa, it's quite interesting. It's very similar to the culture of South Carolina. We have not had comprehensive research done in our state since 2009. And I was diagnosed in 2011. So that means I'm not even a statistic that is accounted for in my own state, which is so sad. And part of the reason, you know, we need a diabetic Miss Iowa, someone who's tied to diabetes as Miss South Carolina. And I'd get to be the first diabetic Miss Iowa, which would also be exciting. So um, what else have you done with either your brother or with JDRF? You touched on JDRF. I'm also an advocate for them. What has either been your favorite moment with them or how did you kind of get involved? Just take us through that partnership. So I actually just joined with them recently, um, probably within the last two months. So unfortunately, I haven't got to do a whole lot with them um, in particular, but I have marked my calendars for all the events that are happening in South Carolina, hopefully. Um, I know they're doing the one walk in Charleston and the dates to be determined. So hopefully, eventually, I um, am trying to work with a partnership with um, T1 Exchange. I don't know if you'll if you're familiar with them. So I'm hoping to become one of their um, advocates eventually soon. I know there was some exchanging between emails, and so I'm hoping to be one of their um, almost like influencers or representatives. Um, but really, with Luke's legacy, I think the main turning point for me was um, actually a couple of years ago. And it was at my high school. So when Luke was first diagnosed, he was diagnosed in 2016. And in 2017, the, the year after, um, there was a dance competition hosted at our high school. And the really cool thing is the dance team decided to sponsor Luke. Their, or their main goal for our family was to raise as much money to possibly get him approved for a diabetic alert dog. The dance competition actually raised over a thousand dollars. And so unfortunately we never got to put that towards a dog, but we did get to put it towards his, his medical debt. And so that was something that was really cool. And that kind of pushed me on my journey towards where I am now. And so right now, I think that I'm kind of in the first or maybe the first or second phase of what kind of my plan is and what my goals are. And really what my first thing is to kind of educate and just um, allow people to kind of understand that's why I'm kind of making pamphlets and slideshows and I have QR codes and just kind of putting myself out in the community. And then if I do get the opportunities in South Carolina, I would want to do a school tour. And so I would want to tour, you know, a couple of schools out of the major cities or counties within South Carolina and be able to present presentations and just kind of visual aids and be able to chat with people and pass out materials. And then, you know, once I kind of do that, then I know that I've got the education out there. And then I want to do the advocacy part. And I think you can do both of those at the same time, which is really cool. Um, but I think the next step for me would honestly just to, 
you know, try to create a better relationship with the South Carolina, you know, Senate as well as the House and just kind of present these things to um, Governor McMaster, because I know they've been presented before, but I don't think that he has been able to act on them or maybe hasn't seen a need to act on them because he doesn't have someone that is kind of willing to be a spokesperson for this cause. And I think I'm the type of person, I have so many ideas. I just have to put them on paper, put them out there. And I think one of the other things that I've actually discussed with myself is to write a children's book. I've actually like thought about so many different kind of concepts for that, but I basically wanted to write a children's book about a child, kind of like my younger brother, Luke, and kind of his journey throughout his day, what he does as a type one diabetic and almost teaching his friends his lifestyle. I mean, the, the ideas that I have are endless. I could probably talk for hours about it, but those are kind of the things. It's just like the main thing for me is just education, 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 telling people, you know, what it is, how it affects you and how it affects your loved ones. And then taking it to the next level through an advocacy campaign and pushing for more affordable insulin. And also just kind of pushing for restaurants or cafeterias or places where food is being served for carb counts for diabetes. I mean, I know that there's um, you know, apps you can use that will kind of tell you around or, or try to guess or give you an estimate of what this is and are carb wise, but I think sometimes it's not always as accurate. And so I think that that should be something that we should also be talking about. You know, we have calorie counts on, on menus and we have calorie counts, you know, when it comes to food that's, you know, in the grocery store, why not carb counts? It might be difficult for a diabetic to understand you know, what they're putting in their body and then how much insulin they need to combat what they're eating. So that's, that's also one of my goals. That last point is especially true because it gives me so much anxiety when I go to a restaurant and it has the calorie count, but nothing about the carbs. And so I'm left in a guessing game of, well, am I taking the right amount of insulin? Is it too much? Is it too little? And it just leads to so much anxiety about what I'm eating and how I'm taking care of myself. So that's something I'm also really pushing for and I'm glad that you are as well because we're starting to make progress in terms of keeping track of our health, but that misconception again of diabetics only needing to worry about calories is clearly not true because our insulin is based on carbs. The storybook idea, that's so great because showing the realities behind it is what makes it more impactful. So you can list off all the biological terms that there are behind diabetes, but a kindergartner is not gonna remember that. But th what they will remember is, I have to give myself at least four shots a day. I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. I have to keep track of everything going on in my body 24 seven. So I love that your book is gonna target that because that'll be incredibly impactful and also showcase your brother's story and leave a legacy for him like your initiative entails. Um, how is his health, by the way? Is it any better now that he's kind of figured out and has it under control? Yeah, so his his health is, is a lot better than it was. So we're really blessed. He, um, he did not get a, a pump for almost five years, which is crazy. Um, because the way that the healthcare system kind of works here as far as, you know, with the with the diabetic children um, at the MUSC Health, is they want you to earn it. It was, and you know, I don't know. You're kind of, you're kind of giving me like, hmm, you know. And and I think also it's kind of it's odd because I've also heard from other people like, oh, well, I got my, you know, 
my pump or my Dexcom immediately, or, you know, I got it like within a certain amount of time and it took us almost five years. And it was because he could not get regulated no matter how hard we tried. And I think too, is that, you know, also because of his mental health was, was very, you know, hindered in a sense because of of what he was going through it was also hard for him to have the motivation to take care of his body and I think that's one of the things that I want to you know also let people know it's not just physical like it's very very mental like it can definitely put a lot of stress on yourself and I think with COVID too it really scared him um and I'm sure it was very scary for you and in your family and so you know but luckily last December, he finally got his pump and it has made in a, a completely different change on his life. I think that, you know, when he was having to, you know, constantly take insulin every day and he wasn't taking enough or he was taking too much. And then, you know, he was fluctuating in weight constantly. Um, so it was really hard, but now that he has his pump, he feels a lot more confident and, and able to go out in the world. He went on his like first trip, like out of the state besides going to New York where our family is with some friends by himself. And we were a little nervous, but he came back fine. And so I think his relationship with, you know, diabetes as well as, as himself has improved drastically. I think there's still some setbacks. I think he still, you know, can get a little bit nervous, but you know, we want him to be able to pursue his dreams. And, and he did get um, accepted into a computer science school in Utah. Um, When he graduated, he graduated in 2020. And um, I think he's still wanting to kind of pursue school. So we're just trying to make sure he is ready to go because once he goes, there's no stopping him, which is great. That's so good to hear. It really does impact everything else in your life, mental health included. I know there was a time in high school for me where Puberty just skews things with your diabetes, with your blood sugars, and it skews things for anyone without diabetes. But for me, it was a really hard time to manage my blood sugars. And so I stopped taking care of my body as much as I should have because I was facing that diabetes burnout or the teenage syndrome that some people call it. And that's really difficult to deal with. And also (laughs) the reason I made a face about earning a pump is those assistive technologies were designed to help people who had difficulties managing their diabetes. So the idea uh, idea of earning it is just so flawed to me because that's not what it was intended for. And we shouldn't be punished for trying to regulate our diabetes, especially when we had no control over our diabetes in the first place. I should not be punished for having issues with my blood sugar when I'm trying my hardest. So I'm really sad to hear that, but I'm really glad he has a pump because for my grandmother, who's also diabetic, it changed her life and probably saved her life. And I wear a CGM that has been life-saving for me and my father. These were literally created to save our life and make our life better. So I'm glad that he has that and is feeling at least a little more confident so he can go on trips and he can go to school far away. That's really great to hear. It's kind of funny because we, we've been frustrated about the whole earn it and the whole like you have to do this, you have to jump through this many loops in order to get the care that you need and the, the care that you deserve. 
And I think that that's also kind of one of the things that, you know, I would want to present as an issue with diabetic care. You know, why are we holding off on things that, you know, these kids, these adults, these people need? And, you know, it was definitely hard because I think we put, you know, a lot of pressure on Luke, like you got to take care of yourself. You have to do this. You know, it's, you're the one who knows, but at the same time, he still wasn't completely in control of his, I mean, he isn't completely in control of his body. And so I think it was kind of like almost the projection of just the healthcare system onto our family. And therefore we almost sometimes projected it onto Luke, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's definitely, it definitely needs to be revamped. And, and like you said, like they're life-changing medical devices that people need. You have just talked about so many great points and hearing Luke's story and the way that you have been such a support has really inspired me. And I'm just so glad we were finally able to meet today and talk about yes. it. With our last little bit of time, just share more about when Miss South Carolina is, what that process is kind of looking like right now, and also where they can find you and follow along on your journey. Absolutely. So the Miss South Carolina competition is June 20th through the 25th. Um, we are so excited. It's going to be the 85th anniversary of the Miss South Carolina competition. I know it's the 85th anniversary of Miss Iowa, correct? That's, that's amazing. Like that is amazing. Um, but, uh, the really cool thing is there's a lot of resources. Um, if you want to follow some links, um, with the pageant and kind of get to know me and some of the other contestants, you can go to, um, miss-sc.org. As far as my personal account, it's going to be a at symbol. J-I-L-L underscore D-U-D-L-E-Y one three is my personal account. And then of course my um, title holder account is Miss Hartsville SC. I'm just so thankful. This was, this was such an amazing talk. And I think that this makes me feel good that other people care, you know, like you. And, and I think that your relationship is, you know, with, with diabetes, since you have it is, is really it's good to hear that you, even though that you are, you're battling this, you're not letting it take over your life. You're, you're taking the next step, you know, you're going to miss Iowa and that's, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. And, you know, even though I don't have diabetes, I know that my personal connection with my younger brother and just kind of watching him, you know, battle this disease has, you know, brought me so much strength and wanting to be resilient for him and for other people. So Awesome. I'm so excited for you. I'll be following along and I'll be rooting for you the whole way. Thank you so much to Jill for joining me for this interview. There was so much incredible insight that I think all of us can take away as supporters and diabetics alike. Make sure you follow the Not Your Type podcast everywhere it's available. And don't forget to follow Miss South Carolina at Miss America SC on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time.